everybody. Welcome to the, uh, we call this the cream of the crop uh, podcast today. we got a special, special guest. Uh, anytime we can get a grower in here, it's very special. And we also have a marketing company here for blueberries. But Jason Watts is with us today and popped in for lunch. And uh, we're, Jason, welcome <laughs> to have you here. Thank and I uh, look forward to hearing from you. And also, we have uh, Alan a- uh, Aby from uh, from uh, Giramara that's here that uh, does the marketing for for Jason. So, and also Justin Machel, who's heading up this blueberry launch and these products we're trying to uh, produce for the industry to help them market these blueberries. So, Justin, I'll turn it over to you. Well, Steve, I got to start. Jason, you came straight from the cow field today, right? <laughs> you, you were moving cattle this morning, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's scary. scary. Yeah, something sight. like that. Yeah. Alan got to see some of that, yeah. If that's what you call that. <laughs> Losing cows. It was mostly. an aroma when you walked in the building. <laughs> At least it. my wife had me change shirts. There you so. Go. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Jason, we go back a few years uh, from the packaging side. Uh, tell everybody uh, about Florida Best Farms, uh, what you guys do, how you got started. All right. Um, Florida Best is, is obviously my blueberry uh, company. It's in Haines City, uh, Polk County, Florida. Um, I actually got another company that's a herbicide company for the state and federal government and then gotten blueberries probably about 2010, maybe, maybe nine. Um, and we, uh, when we first started, you know, obviously there was a transition and Sunny Ridge was the big one in Florida and, and they were getting, getting out. And so what, what I did is, is I built a packing house there in Haines City in order to not only for my own crop but for the future for in case the little guy because that was always my my biggest biggest worry for us as farmers in Florida of blueberries I've been in agriculture most all my life probably fourth fifth generation here in Florida native and stuff and so we uh which is unusual fourth fifth generation is unusual in (laughs) Florida that's the truth that's the truth and then so and and then you know we never in blueberries but blueberries I just you know after the mid-2000s as good as it was you know everybody was was taking a shot in blueberries and and the good lord just blessed me to get really big quickly and I've had a lot of good business opportunities that I've been able to take advantage of and and that's how I got into the packing side of it was really as a as a way, without trying to become a short enough packer, not that that's anything bad, um, we're very short. We just do blueberries there in Florida, so it's a short window. But I wanted to have an, a, an ability to help out maybe the smaller guy because that's who built Florida, you know, in my opinion, was a, the small guy. And that's the first one that's going to, you know, hurt, you know, in the long run, I think. So, and that's how we got into it. started off with 10 acres and it's grown to, 450 or you know more or less acres now you're a family-run business right <laughs> yes sir you got uh, your wife your, your wife's involved and yeah and yeah kids take it and... till you make it <laughs> no doubt. yeah my yeah every spring break that's uh everybody makes a joke you'll see kids on forklifts and my daughter's on the packing line and that's what they spend their spring break doing and always have and and uh we're very form family oriented. Um, you'll see my mom in there, and, and my mom cooks like all the techs from A and B and and uh, Wico and stuff like that come through. And you can always catch them. They'll be around Florida Best Packing House around lunchtime because <laughs> we get to have my mom cooks every meal uh, every day. You know when we're packing, and that's awesome. So lunch and supper. So 
That's that's handy too. That's a that's a trade secret. How you get the techs around? Because <laughs> you have food. Because they're all out of town, you know. So they mysteriously show up about eleven thirty every day. But if you got something broke, you know they can help you out. That's so right. That's right. Definitely helps out. You know. <laughs> Unlocking some insights here for that's the rest right. of the We're giving it away the right to... now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now you also run a, a cattle operation on the side as well. Yeah, sir. Yeah, sir. We got a couple hundred head of cows, and then like I said, I got a. My main business is uh, herbicide for the state and federal government. Like uh, pretty much any land that's public property that you can hunt on in the state of Florida, I, we herbicide on for exotic exotic plants and uh like in the everglades we'll have you know we got numerous swamp buggies and a bunch of airboats and not really the lake spraying especially the stuff everybody's getting really protesting and mad about you know with red tide that's not really my forte that's other companies i do more of when the lake ends and the trees began that's where i'm at i'm i'm between the lake edge and the property boundary because most the state owns pretty much every every lake they own the borders around it and that's most of the areas excuse me for public hunting and stuff and that's that's where we work at you know or the everglades like i'm saying or you know u.s fish and wildlife that type stuff right now now you brought alan in here today uh so let's talk about your marketing strategy without getting into any kind of confidential information, but uh, what's your relationship with, with Alan? How far do you guys go back? And, and uh, what, what does he do for, for, for Florida Best Farms? Alan, I've known for, shoot, I've, see if I, it's 2020, so I've probably been doing this 10, 12 years, 11, 12 years I've been in blueberries. I've probably known Alan for, what do you think, Alan? Eight? Yeah, six, eight. Yeah, probably. Uh, and Alan's just, I've always, I don't know what it is. I've, he's one of the, Few people from up north. I really, really get along with. He's Mar- always Maryland been. is south of the Mason-Dixon line. That's exactly right. That's, that's argumentative, but anyhow, the, uh, he's a really good guy. He's always been straight up, straight shooter, and honest. And that's what I've. I think I appreciate the most. That's the thing about agriculture. To me, I tell people all the time is I think agriculture is the last business left that's really a handshake, you know, and honesty and stuff. And I mean, I've I've done not bragging i've done more than a million dollar deals with no contract with just you know an agreement between me and another person and to me it it adds more to it i mean you can get all the legal mumbo jumbo stuff you know and contracts in things and a lot of times you know you still have to do something but in the beginning it's a it's an agreement between me and whoever we're doing a deal with and and this is the last industry i think you could really truly do that i mean just look at farming i mean i don't know a farmer like a row crop guy or a true farmer you know if they're not irrigated that's you know not religious i mean that's the thing about it that's the one thing i've always always i I said i've always said too it's the backbone of our country right because you're so close to the soil you're so dependent on that's right the invisible hand of god to come in and do the right thing at the right time so you're right everything about it i mean good lord's got a hand in it all that's the we can get down to the scientifics and all the historicals, but good Lord's there at the end, without a doubt. That's for sure. And that's the cool part about agriculture, I think. You know, that's what we're missing in this country, is, and unfortunately. I mean, we we donate a lot to local schools, and I see something simple like 4-H or FFA, and shoot, you can't hardly see it no more in, in the schools. And you wonder, my wife and I do a, a thing every year at our kids' school. We just, we started off to help out and then now it's turned into a yearly thing it's called a 
Great American Teach-In, I believe is the name of it, where you get local businesses to come, you know, talk. And so, obviously, all the kids like when we come, because we mostly do it on the cow side, because kids like to see horses and whatnot, and I got a lot of cow dogs and things. So, it turned into what was supposed to be one class to literally as grade levels every day. We're there all stinking day. I mean, it's a, it's a big ordeal, but the thing is, is... You know, obviously the kids want to see the, the horses and dogs and simple things. But the the heartbreaking thing is, is I always started off every year. And my kids asked me, my daughter said, can you change it up a little bit this year from the same? It's been five, six years of the same talking. <clears throat> but you ask something simple like, y'all know where your hamburgers from McDonald's comes from or something. And it's you just it just blows your mind where it's like the grocery store. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, because people don't know it no more because agriculture is not a big thing. You know, and I mean, you see a lot of stuff on politicians. There's one candidate that was talking about how you could teach, you know, he could teach farming it to somebody, you know, pretty simple. And it's it's not that simple. I mean, it's it's a heritage thing and it's a generation after generation. There's a lot of book sense to farming, without a doubt. But there's a lot of stuff that you you just learn from experience. I mean, it's one of those things you don't have to have this big education, maybe, but you got to have a lot of sense. You can't be reckless you can't make bad decisions you make bad decisions see that's the thing people don't understand about agriculture you get paid once a year i mean that's hard to do you know if you see people budgeting or trying to make it week to week can you imagine what would they do if they got like a farmer and they got paid once a year you don't get a second go i mean you're done that's right and that's the thing that's hard because you got to play for all what you're going to expand everything you're going to do and that's why a lot of times people will say a farmer's mentality and referring it to being, you know, cheap or tight and things. But there's something that goes with that because you don't have a second chance to, to pay that extra dollar or $2. So when, as a country, we're looking back, looking at farmers, not only is the population growing yearly, and, I, you know, in the <clears throat> one side of the political side wants us to grow more pounds or more crop on less water, less acreage, less fertilizer. You know, there's all these environmental things. But it's like we got to maintain and sustain, you know, sustain the population and just the growth. And it's it's just we got a we got a big a big job in front of us. And people don't don't realize I heard a don't quote me on my stats here, but I heard a stat here like in the last year on the news. And they said by 2023, I think it was it was uh, the number of farms in the United States was going to be equivalent to the 1880s. Now, I don't know if they're talking about the number of farmers or actual farms, but I mean, that's kind of a little bit scary when you sit back and look and you say, here we are in 2020 and the number of farms, you know, in America is the same as in the 1880s. Everybody farmed in the 1880s because you lived out in the middle of nowhere yeah, and took even, care of your own even stuff. Even after you know? the World War II, so right. a big portion of the country. Was, so, so, Alan, I, I've got a question for you. So, so how does a company and, and your company – big marketer, global marketer, wind up in Polk County, Florida, working with a guy <laughs> like Jason. <clears throat> well, when y'all were talking a few minutes ago, it, it occurred to me that we all gravitate to who we like and who we uh, agree with. And I think that uh, our business has kind of gone even more and more in that direction where there's not many growers left that we don't enjoy working with. And uh, Jason's a grower that you will enjoy working with. 
Um, we got quite a few growers like that around the world and up and down the, the East Coast and throughout the whole entire country. One other point that you just made, and I, I was up at a regional show in, uh, in Michigan a couple months ago. In the mid-1800s, 90% of our population farmed. And today it's about 1%. Which supports what you were saying. Which is why there's such a disconnect, right? Yeah. yeah. Disconnect. Now, I do believe that 1% could feed the world. Sure. Yeah. But I'm, we don't uh, have a choice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've always said, too, that, uh, that, that, that that disconnect is what creates a lot of our... When, when, you, when you think about... I, I, I use the... Was it Maslow's uh, Pyramid of, of Need or whatever we learned in school? Um, you know, we, we live in the top of that pyramid right now, but... You know, you're only, you see it when a hurricane hits or something like that. You're only a few days away from no food in the grocery store. That's think for about sure. it. I mean, yeah. just 10 days without shipments of product and we are starving as a nation. And yet we have a, a our society that does not respect, in my opinion, the farm and what all is involved in farming and getting that fresh fruit and vegetable or meat or whatever milk uh, to that grocery store. And what all's involved. It's no a idea. wonderful industry, but they no have idea. no idea. Yeah. That's, that's a scary thought. You know, we're in, I'll use blueberries as an example also. We're setting the standard higher and higher and higher. And the, the, the products that we enjoy now are fantastic and continue to get better. Um, you produce something that's just fair these days, and the consumer, you realize they don't, uh, they yeah. don't appreciate that's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, we're very blessed here in the U.S. I mean, if you've been to other countries, you can see... I mean, the average, even though we all complain in one way or another and gripe politically and stuff like that, if you look at where we are as in America, I mean, we're so much farther ahead of most everybody out there, even on an average scale. I mean, just your average everyday person that, you know, is just, according to us, making it by is, you know, well off in, in a lot of these countries. My, my wife and daughters went on a missionary trip down to Panama and that was the main thing when they came back this summer, they were talking about that, you know, the, uh, the more elite, you know, higher class people down there wouldn't be thought of down here. I mean, mm -hmm. here in, in, yep. in the United States that yep. way. And it's because we take it all for granted though, truthfully, you know, but. Have most a, Americans lost uh, track of reality? <laughs> it makes you wonder when other, you turn the television on. Yeah, yeah, a whole nother can of worms there. <laughs> Well, getting yeah. back to the blueberries, we'll start wrapping this up here. But, I, I, you know, I'd like to ask you both a question, um, same question, and just get from your two angles. But I'll start with you, Alan. But from a marketing standpoint, what would you say is your top two or three challenges in getting uh, Jason's crop or uh, your, your anywhere, your, any of your farmers' crops moved in the marketplace? So as the crop becomes a commodity and it's produced in multiple countries, states, hemispheres of origin uh i think the the and that's i think your products will ultimately really be helpful here but uh finding the right price in the right window and not having everybody's trying to grow into your window first of all uh wherever they see the highest pricing then farmers naturally want to plant to that to that market um but for for us when you have fruit coming out of peru and chile and argentina and mexico uh, even grown in Asia now uh, and, and, and in Europe, um, making sure that we get the best possible pricing for Jason's fruit is 
is a challenge. And the bigger you get, uh, the more difficult as a, as a crop, the bigger you get, the more difficult that challenge becomes. Uh, when Jason was talking about getting paid once a year, year round, I live in a window where growers are in their peak every week of the year (laughs) and I can't afford to make a mistake. Yeah. That kind of pressure. Wow. Can't be wrong. Not just once or twice, not, not for one or two weeks <laughs> right. for the year. That's right. And, and so, uh, it's a tremendous responsibility and, uh, and we take it very seriously. Yep. That's a great answer. And that is tremendous responsibility. It is. And like you said, it only lasts for him for a few weeks, but for you, it's every, right. it's every week. Yep. It's amazing. How about for you, Jason, your biggest one or two challenges of producing the crop for Alan and his team to sell? The, um, well, the biggest, the biggest issue that it really is, is trying to get it right on the, on the estimates to give somebody like Alan the best chance to do the best job that he could do. I mean, cause the hardest part is retailers and I can understand it business wise. They're wanting you to, to give them something farther away, you know, and, and you're trying to be four to four weeks, six weeks. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that can happen. I mean, if you take today, I don't know what the date is, like the February 17th. So Florida will get started the 1st of March, but there's still 15 days of a lot of stuff can happen. Like Justin was talking about uh, uh, cold weather coming in Georgia this, this week for, for Georgia. That's going to offset them back. You know, if, could be a few days, could be a day, could be a week, just depending on what it really ends up being. Well, for me, that's the same. We're right here at crunch time and I'm trying to, to, to tell somebody like Alan what to realistically expect, but it's kind of a loaded question because it's like, if everything runs perfect in the weather, it's going to start whatever the day, March 5th, let's just say. And then it's going to turn around and I should pick at this percentage each week. And you can kind of historically figure out some, th- you know, things that way to give him the best chance to, to sell the fruit, you know? And I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's so, a hard so timing the crop and timing and, and estimates it, is probably it, yeah, the hardest the part that I think because now then I'm at a packing house level and so let's say I, you know I got about 15 farmers that bring me fruit now I'm having to now take those 15 farmers and what they're saying for their crop because I don't have enough time to go to my own fields plus all theirs and, and things like that so you're gonna have to it's just trying to put all that together to give somebody like Alan the best chance to do the best job to give him the resources to do the best thing. And that's the, that's one thing why I've, you know, I've said to Justin, why these programs y'all are working on, I think it's, it's, it's huge for our our country, you know, because I'm afraid as a country, we're, we're counting more on outside other countries outsourcing things. And and I think that's a double-edged sword that we're going to one day potentially cut our own throat with because we're going to be held hostage because of food, because we're not producing it as a country because of, whether it's lack of farms or we get run out of industry because we can't compete. You know, that's, that's one of my main obstacles I've always had and been outspoken about, about Mexico. I don't have a problem with Mexico growing blueberries, but I do have a problem. I own the packing house and I own the farms. You can't get cheaper than what I am for myself. I mean, agreed. Yep. <clears throat> but you know, I, I said, I saw the, uh, <clears throat> the department of agriculture guy at a wedding one day, a um, former one for Florida, a couple of years ago. And I said to him then, and I said, you realize Mexico can pick it, pack it, get it across the border, unhook from it for like, I mean, I'm just giving a number, but I want to say it was like 550 a flat. 
I said, I own the freaking packing house and it cost me 11 bucks. I'm already beat two to one. It's a hard, it's a hard thing that we're doing as a country. It's a challenge. You know, and it's, and I think your, your stuff you're doing will, will help. I don't know if it, the words mitigate maybe, or. Well, we're trying to, we're trying to get to everything in a virtual world. And I think that helps the, the, the marketers market. Yeah, um, I think so too. I've always said too, the free enterprise system is the greatest system in the world if everybody plays by the same rules. That's it. But if you don't have the same <laughs> rules going on, there's a disadvantage that's and that's it. what's happening. And it's big, and, it's a uh, big disadvantage. And, but you're right. And not only what we're doing, Steve, business to business with the industry, but it's even bigger than that with consumers. Right, because consumers don't know. Like Jason said to his point earlier with asking them, where does your McDonald's beef come from? They just simply don't know. So consumers don't know the difference between a Mexican-grown product or U.S.-grown product or when is U.S.-grown available uh, and demand that in the grocery store. There's a big education curve that's got to go on in this country, and it's going to take movements like this, these podcasts, getting the word out, to not only the industry, but consumers in general uh, to really sway their mind and, and educate them so they can make good uh, decisions yep. going so, forward. But guys, listen, we appreciate you guys coming by today. It's been awesome. And I uh, <laughs> hope you. the best of seasons coming up here in a few weeks. <laughs> we yeah. just know we're behind the scenes doing our part to try to help out where we can to fill in the gap for the marketers mm-hmm. and for you, Jason, on the, yeah, fight the farm level. We're really excited uh, for, for the future and uh, we're in there with you. Yeah, y'all have big things. I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great season. Take care. Thank you. Appreciate it.